The information provided on the Finesse Your Money podcast is not intended to constitute legal, business, financial or other professional or product advice. It is provided as general information only and is not intended as a substitute for personal advice from a qualified and licensed professional who is familiar with the facts of your particular circumstances. Ever asked yourself where your money is going? It's a common problem for businesses and people personally. Is it dumb luck to be successful with money? Or is it the smartest and most successful businesses and people that plan and know their numbers? Is your money out of control or needing some finessing? In this second season of Finesse Your Money, we're focusing on growth for businesses and personal and practical steps that you can take to grow. We explore what inspires our inspirational guests and the importance of giving back. We've also got some excellent tips from our guests about their planning process and who they rely on to keep their money under control and set themselves up for a bright, happy future. Get ready to be inspired. I'm Janine Wilson, the host of Finesse Your Money. I've been a financial advisor for 10 years and an accountant beforehand for, well, many more years. I'm the founder of Finesse Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to Finesse Your Money. Our guest today is Dr. Majida Awada. Majida says she doesn't teach maths for a living, she does it for fun. There's plenty to know about Majida and we're going to find out a lot today. But to let you know up front, Majida has authored a book called Who Cares About Maths Anyway? It's a book that provides an analytical view of the education system. And she teaches through her academy a cognitive load theory method of learning and the curriculum for maths and English is for kinder to year 10 and it's showing a tremendous amount of success. Dr. Majida is an author, maths lover, entrepreneur and Telstra Businesswoman Award winner, advocate for um, domestic violence and she's um, came to Australia in 2005 on a scholarship to do a PhD in maths education and cognitive load theory. She was looking for answers on why students don't understand maths and found the answer in CLT. Working in an office after that to write papers and publish them was not what she wanted to do. She wanted to change how mathematics is taught to schools. So she didn't become a teacher. She started her business, Global Education Academy, in 2001 and started teaching English and maths using the principles of CLT. She then developed a complete curriculum for maths and English from year kinder to 10, based on that theory, which has shown enormous success and has won many awards from local to national, the Champion Business Awards for Educational Services and Ethnic Business Awards 2019, and very recently the 2020 Business Women's Award in Small Business Category. She's also authored a book and it's been getting lots of positive feedback from parents. Tell us more about yourself, Majida, and welcome. Thank you, Jeline. That's an interesting introduction. Can I just make a little correction? I was a teacher before my PhD. So I taught mathematics for high school for 15 years. And after my PhD, I decided not to go back to the classroom for various reasons. So about me i'm all about making a difference so in, in one sentence i'll say be the change you want to see in the world because if every one of us does that imagine where we would be now in 2020 instead of waiting for someone else to do the change that you wanted or wait for policy makers and decision makers to to make that little change make it yourself and that's what i did 
Marvellous. So you're the Global Education Academy and driving force behind that education program. Can you tell us more about that? Definitely. So I am the founder of Global Education Academy. I established it after completing my PhD at UNSW to put the theory I studied into practice, which is the cognitive load theory and how we can teach for understanding, taking the human being brain architecture into account. So we have changed the lives of thousands of students over the years and also families. So because when, when you try change the life of one child, you change the life of the whole family. It's not the one child only. And that's by unlocking their full potential. So we believe in continuous small changes that we make every day in their learning, understanding and their self-esteem, boosting their confidence. And these small changes, as you said, were recognized by Telstra Business Women's Award, which I won in the 2020 Small Business category. So we'll come to more about the award, but tell us about your career and what inspired you to help kids in the first place. Okay, so I worked, as, as I said, as a high school math teacher for 15 years before coming to Australia. I used to teach the highest level of maths for senior years. I taught the five units doesn't exist in Australia. <laughs> I was frustrated all the time to see that as smart as these students were, they struggled with understanding the basic concepts. So I started the search for why they are missing this basic understanding. I did a master's degree in Israel that was a three-year research. And I found that they actually use, in, in the Netherlands, there is a theory called RME, Realistic Mathematics Education, which I studied. So what they did is just connecting mathematics to real life. And by doing that, mathematics was much easier. But being me, I always ask why, why, why? So yeah, okay, connecting to, to your real life, why, why is it easier? So I came across cognitive load theory. Uh, which is taught mainly at UNSW by uh, Professor John Swiller. I wrote to him, I said, I want to study this. Can you supervise me for a PhD? He said, yes, definitely. So I sought a scholarship. So I came on a scholarship and I studied the theory. So the theory in a nutshell explains that for instructional materials to be effective and efficient, and I emphasize the word efficient, they need to be designed in alignment with the human brain architecture. So that's what I did. I developed a curriculum for maths and English. I don't claim the English by myself. I have a team of English teachers. Then we worked together. We developed a holistic curriculum mapped to the Australian curriculum and written based on the principles of cognitive law theory. I will use CLT because it's a shortcut for that. That's from Yekindi to year 10. We've been teaching this curriculum since 2011. Based on that, we also established what we call the 5C method, which is clarity, cognizance, confidence, connection, and cultivation. And we also developed something called upsell strategy, which is problem solving strategy. So it stands for understand, plan, solve, and learn. So four steps. And it's been amazing to see the, the results and the outcomes for this. It's, it's a life-changing process and what we have been through since 2011 to now, not just for us as a business, but also 
for our students. Sound like you've been a very busy educator, Dr. <laughs> and so that's just fascinating stuff uh, you recently launched your book can you tell us more about that and I'm presuming that those really simplified models that make it easy for people to step through the process are discussed in your book no actually sorry Jeanine that's my next book that <laughs> I started writing recently the one I published is a critical review of the education system in Australia now it's critical analytical review. It's, it's a must read for all parents. So just tells them what is the education system, how it works, who's in charge, what everyone does. And also goes to analyze Australian results in NAPLAN, maths and English mainly, writing as well. And also in the PISA results, which is the international um, results. We see Australians' results are going down every, every time they do the PISA uh, test. So that's the book. It also offers a vision for change. As I said, I'm the change person. <laughs> I like to see things. I cannot change Australia vision, but I can offer a solution. So I don't only focus on the problem, but I also focus on the solution. There is a solution, but if politicians listen, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so my next book, if I can go back to that, it will be for what you just said. So it takes parents step-by-step step how to unlock their children's full potential. Brilliant. So what's one mistake that you see people making over and over and when it comes to kids' education and how can they avoid it? How can parents avoid it? Can I talk about three mistakes? Of one? <laughs> okay. So the first one, I would say parents delaying intervention. So thinking it's too early. So if your child is in your kindy and you know that they cannot count, they cannot pronounce some words, okay i'll wait, wait for it next year and then the next year and then i'll wait for naplan results you know so that's that's a really important thing and i can explain why when we wait for a schema in the brain to be established you want it to be established as soon as possible and the earlier the better and it's easier cheaper everything <laughs> it's it's actually cut down the time of your child suffering from that being behind everyone else in the classroom the second one is getting a non-specialized person to teach and help supporting their child's education. So I, I see parents all the time. We went there, we spent some money, and, and I'm talking about tutoring centers, and it doesn't work. Or we had some university students to help our child with the homework. That's not a specialized intervention. And that is really dangerous because once they establish a wrong schema, schema means, if I may explain what it means, it's a mental structure in the brain that allows you to act on something in one process. So let's say you're driving from here to Newcastle. You have, if you've driven there a few times, you have a map in your brain. You don't need to rely on the GPS every time. So that's, that's a schema. It's a map or a shape. So if I have a schema in my brain on how to solve quadratic equation, I know how to do it straight away. I don't need to go through step by step every time. Now, if we get someone who's not specialized, teaching them, let's say, long, long division, but in a wrong way, to, to try and fix it, that's way harder than teaching them long division from the first time correctly. So that's mistake number two. And the third one, which I always laugh and smile and just pull my hair when I hear parents saying, I was bad at math, so I hated math. No wonder why my child doesn't 
like maths. Say it as much as you want, not in front of your child, because you cannot say that and expect him to love mathematics. So you're saying that, Dr. Majida, that that creates the, broadens the boundary, I suppose. It, exactly. It gives the child permission to not love it. A good excuse. And also putting that barrier and obstacle, like if my mom could not do it or my dad and they are my role model, why would I? Precisely. Good advice. So from a financial planning point of view, I believe that many kids are missing out on the basics of money because money doesn't go through their hands and everything is tap and go these days or online banking. When is the right time to start talking to kids about money and how does that link into learning their numbers? So I would say this is very true, Jadine. However, being aware of that, it makes it easier to overcome it. Like now, yes, we have credit cards, blah, blah, blah. We don't use cash money, but we still do it sometimes. If we connect mathematics with money, we're giving the numbers quantity, that link to quantity. Because many kids, especially in three, four-year-old, they count. And we are happy as parents. Hey, my child can count up to 100. But they count as a song. They don't count with the quantity concept in mind. They don't know that four is more than three. And five is one more than four. You can make that very clear and very real if you use money. So when, when you train your child, like when you go to a cafe and you want to pay, let's say, for a cup of coffee, $5, you can ask the child to take the credit card and tap it, knowing that we just paid $5. And you can say, okay, this is, this is why five. It's one, two, three, four, five. We paid five, right? And then you can say to your child, do you want me to pay 10 instead? Is that going to hurt me as, like, I'm going to pay more. Is that good for me as a customer? You, you can use, of course, more child-friendly words, not just customers. Or like if they serve you two cookies, can, you can say, shall we ask for a third one? And then they will understand that three is one more than two. So these little things, just to be aware of it, it makes it much easier and more realistic to the students. Oh, sorry, to the children. <laughs> I'm used to it. Great, a great way of explaining it. And I guess when I think about it, you know, we used to have lots of fun playing cards on holidays with our family yeah. and, you know, playing Monopoly and all sorts of board games. And so there still is a place for those types of activities in the home. Yes, and just being um, reminded that as adults, we know that 50 is more than 40, and we take it for granted, thinking that children should know. But if you look at how mathematics and num the number system developed through history, you will know that there was a stick, you know, how they used to carve in caves, one stick for the number one, two sticks. So that was really linked to quantity. The numbers we use now, the uh, Hindu-Arabic numbers, they are based on the number of angles in each one, in each symbol. So you can also provide, introduce that to your children when they are in year three and year four. Make it more interesting. Mathematics is really interesting and beautiful. Open our eyes for that. And it's fun. <laughs>
It's fun. It's so much fun. It doesn't want to know how much money they've got. <laughs> of course, exactly. So what problems do you see in the future if kids don't grasp these basic concepts of maths and money? Does it necessarily mean a lifetime of poor job prospects and financial management? Yeah, definitely. Children and young adults need these basic concepts in the complex world. Our world is becoming more complex by the day and by the minute sometimes. Literacy skills are not needed to set um, a math test only. So many students, especially in high school, they think, okay, I'm learning algebra or trigonometry to just do the test topic in tr on trigonometry or algebra, and then after that, mm, don't worry, forget about it. They actually are needed in for the future, which is becoming more complex by the day, as I said. Let me talk about problem-solving skills. These are the skills that mathematics teaches you. It's not about getting the answer right or wrong. It's about how you got to that answer. Do you understand the question properly? Have you planned for it? And then did you execute your plan or did you just did whatever to solve it? And fourth and most important, did you learn from that question? Because that's the four steps. Understand, plan, solve, and learn. If you think of any financial problem or any problem these days, if you don't go the, through these four steps, what's the point, right? We have learned something. If I'm not learning from it, or we have solved the question, if, if I did not learn from it, what is it like? Why I'm solving 101 questions every day in mathematics class, right? It's all about the skill I'm giving the students from solving these questions. So problem-solving skills, that's math. That's for me, if I teach one thing in mathematics, I'll just teach problem-solving skills, the four steps. And I think, I, uh, you know, from my point of view, I find one of the biggest problems for people, you know, in adulthood is that they lack financial discipline. And, and of course, that comes from learning those types of skills and then executing mm -hmm. on them. And, yes, that can carry through throughout their life. And so sometimes we need to go back to the basics and learn the basics of that discipline so that they can be successful in, you know, setting themselves up for their financial future. So I did just want to um, remind our listeners that you have a free download of your book on the Global Education website or Amazon. It's available on Amazon and we'll give you some more information about that at the end. So turning now to personal money, you have a young family. Do you have a financial plan and did you build it yourself or get some professional help, Dr Majeda? I'm sorry to say no, I don't. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not the usual person, I, I can say that, uh, with confidence. I'm not sure how much of my personal story, you know. I came to Australia after 17 years of bad marriage and violent marriage. I'm a self-made person with three children. So I came with three children on a scholarship to study. My dad was a businessman who knew how to spend money. My mom, on the other hand, was a housewife, but she, all, she only knew how to save money. And that actually saved my dad at some stage from going bankrupt because he lost almost his, all his money in the 90s. And then the saving that my mom made from his pocket, right, saved the business and saved our life. So it, the contradiction between them was amazing. But if you put these two together, that worked really well for all of us. But I, I'm lucky that I took the best of each one. So that was my bonus. If I came to Australia as a single mother with three children, um, 
I had no money, no one to help in, in Australia. So I, I was forced to be my own financial planner. I did not have money to afford one. I came as a student, I worked two jobs at a time and studied PhD, raised my kids. I was never afraid of not having enough money. I made a promise for myself and my children that I will always have enough money. Now I'm after something else, I will always have enough time. So that's my next one. <laughs> uh, I made that decision and I'm very happy with it. So I started my career after my PhD as an employee at UNSW Global, which is the business arm of UNSW. I was writing and managing the project of the mathematics competition, it's called ICAS. But I knew by being an employee, I will always have limited income. It doesn't matter how big or small, it's always going to be limited. I wanted that being an entrepreneur, so I wanted to make more money and be in control of how much I make. I work harder, I make more. I work wiser, I make more. So I had some saving. So I started the seed of Global Education Academy while still on unpaid leave for a year. And I thought, I'll start my business. If it works, it works. If not, I have something to go back to. So I'm always with keeping my bridges open, not, not burn my bridges. So that was 2011. I, after a year, I resigned. I didn't look back at being an employee nine to five. Now we are close to two million in revenue. I have two centers, one in Cogra, which is St. George area in Sydney, one in Taramara, Upper North Shore. Now, as COVID-19 hit all of us as small businesses, because we only focused on face-to-face. -face. COVID-19, the upside of it was, or is, look at other way of delivery. So we switched online overnight. So literally overnight, we had to switch to online delivery. And it's working. So now we have not a radius, but unlimited radius. We can provide for the whole world as a market instead of just 10, 15 kilometers from Cogra or Taramara. So that's my next thing is to open more for the online delivery. That's brilliant because uh, I think a lot of businesses struggle just at that time where we were experiencing the pandemic. Um, so many people rushed at th uh, things that weren't successful in business and many other people just really shut down and didn't know what to do. And so it was sort of a matter of, you know, sticking their heads in the sand, but being able to really adapt quickly um, and in line with what your, you know, business Definitely. You know, it's been a real benefit for you. So congratulations. Thank you. I do believe in if you cannot adapt, you will die as a business. Absolutely. We have to adapt. I, I completely agree with you. I just found at that time, though, a couple of businesses were trying to, you know, we're hearing words like pivot all the time. And sometimes I think you just need to take a little pause, work out what's the right plan of attack. Exactly. And so I guess to come back to your comments around, you know, developing your own financial plan and it sounds like you, mm -hmm. you know had had some good learnings there around financial discipline and what the consequences of not being financially yes, disciplined yes. were and so you know that's great what are a couple of questions that you had about money when you were starting out in your career and have those questions changed over time they have actually changed a lot <laughs> so at the very beginning even before the business was 
the questions always ask myself how much can I put aside how much can I save and I always save before I spend I always had that automatic transfer from my day-to-day -day account to my saving account so and then what is left I was spending instead of how much can I put aside now I'm asking the other question where is the best investment venue how can I invest my in my business now? Do I get a loan to invest? Do I use my savings to invest? Where do I invest? So investment is the key word. So invest in your business as much as you can. Still put aside sometimes. <laughs> you've still got to have your fun money and you've got to have your future money. <laughs> exactly. And, and as a business owner, you deserve it. You deserve to live as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I was actually speaking to someone earlier today. We're talking about a new business that she's thinking about. And I made the point that you have to at some point decide whether it's a business and a hobby and charge appropriately <laughs> if it's a business. Well, put them together, do what you love. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you recently won Telstra Businesswoman's Small Business of the Year Award for New South Wales. And congratulations, Dr. Majita. We've known each other for about a year or so now, and I'm just thrilled for you. Thank you. Can you talk about what went into winning that award? And, and you know, was it something that you dreamed of? I think it's the dream of every small business owner is um, to win the Telstra Businesswoman or the Telstra Business Award, which is my next one, hopefully. The process of just the application was huge. It was like two phases. Each one incorporated so many questions. The good thing about that was it made me actually sit back and reflect on how I run my business. I did it myself. I didn't ask for, I know some people ask for like marketing companies to help. We did not do that. So I did it with my staff. And that was a good, uh, a positive thing for my staff as well, to see how much we have improved over the years and to see all the little, what we call, as you know, little wins, which we usually forget to celebrate. But while doing the application was an amazing time just to say, oh, we forgot that we did that, actually. Let's put it in. And it was amazing. The whole thing was, was really good. Even becoming a finalist was like we were jumping up and down here before we got the award that we won, mm. which came at the side time, sad time, because there was no celebration this year. I think that's true. Oh. It's very sad. But what I like about your story there is that you got your people involved. And I think that that can be very rewarding. I mean, not everybody responds to just getting their pay packet every week. They're always looking for something more. And I think that when you can get your people involved in those sorts of things, they really develop a song, strong sense of pride for you and your business and what they're involved. Yeah, pride and belong because they want to be part of, of something successful, not just getting their paycheck at the end of fortnight. Mm, absolutely. So what does winning that accolade in 2020 mean to you and your business? Well, it means a lot to me and to my team. It is a huge achievement, as you know. There's no equal to getting recognised and acknowledged. Like We know we did a lot of differences and we made a lot of differences, but to be acknowledged externally, it makes a huge difference to, to us. It's just like, no, it's not because we think we are good. Someone else thinks we are good, which is really good. And it's good to come from Telstra, which is, as you said, it's, it's one of the best you can hope for in, in Australia. That's brilliant. So from a business perspective, is it possible to talk about your successes without first talking about failures? And, you know, is this your first business? Have you been grinding away from the startup for, you know, many years? I know you mentioned sort of 2011. What do you learn from those experiences and how, how did it affect the way that you, you know, plan for your money personally? This is my first business. 
right? So I've never been a business person. Uh, my dad was, well, he wasn't that successful at some stages. He was up and down. But I always say it's not about how many times you fail or fall. It's about how you rise. In, in many countries, they call business people as like Phoenix. So you die, you come back. You die, you come back. You fall, you, you rise, and, and you learn from your mistake. And that takes me back to the upset strategy. When we make mistakes, we don't learn from them. What are we doing? You, you learn just to make that improvement every time. I was hit by family tragedies uh, a couple of times, not only once. Um, it did not kill me. And I do believe uh, whatever doesn't kill you made you stronger. So it made me more determined to succeed, especially being a woman in business is not easy, as you may know. I had a few setbacks, uh, being a domestic violent, uh, I use the word defeater. I'm not a victim, I'm not a survivor. I'm a defeater of that. So despite that situation for 17 years, I'm very determined to make a difference to children's lives. I'm very determined to make a business for good that is changing lives um, in every aspect. So, I mean, I'm on board completely with a business for good. Not sure if I've shared this with you previously, but for each new client or, or renewing client that I have, I donate to programs to support uh, literacy and education and you know developing children's and women's skills amazing amazing you know it's not hard or expensive to give back but I think it's really important to be human and do what you can for those that need some additional support in that area so that's really important to me definitely we we at global education academy we also support uh, an organization called one girl and they pay tuition fees for girls in Africa to attend high school, which is amazing because in many countries, like we forget how fortunate we are in the Western uh, countries. There are countries where girls cannot go to school and they're still forbidden from going to school. And if the family has a boy and a girl and they have enough money to send one, they will send the boy only. And imagine what will happen to that girl from sex trafficking to early marriage to becoming a mother at 14 or 15, just by paying a small amount that can change the life of these um, girls. We actually received an email advising that two of the girls that we are supporting were teachers. They became teachers. Oh, marvellous. That's just so rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, I get goosebumps whenever I, I think about yeah, it. Fantastic. So, Dr. Majida, we've learned more about you and your amazing work and business, and it's really left me curious about what you believe is your purpose in life. I believe my purpose is to help as many children as possible. In, from, like, overcoming difficulties in mathematics, and these difficulties may range from not understanding maths or English concepts, to something like helping children go to school or helping girls to go to school. As I said, we, we do have that program um, cooperating with uh, one girl. So it can go from as small as the small difference you make in someone's understanding of mathematics, especially girls. And excuse me that I keep talking about girls, because girls in the future become the mothers of the boys, of the new generation of parents, and the new generation of men who we can, by giving that mother as a child that confidence, she will stand up for herself in the future and say no to domestic violence. She will 
raise her boys not to do it in the future. So that's from even like helping her in her mathematics. I know many people don't see that connection. I can see it because we raised children since I was teaching. And that's I started in the 90s. I'm not that old. <laughs> so I started teaching early. And I can see the difference when, when these girls go to school, university, work after that, become independent financially. And it's really, really, really important. I cannot emphasize how important it is for women to be independent. If I could not make money, I wouldn't be able to come to Australia, leave that violent marriage, raise my three children in a good environment. Because I am sure if I stayed there, they would have at least would not have had that opportunities in the future of what they are having now in Australia. I completely acknowledge that really it's a, a fantastic way to make or begin generational changes. I know when I was growing up, I was the first person in my family to go to university and I was a mature Me too. <laughs> and paid for it myself. And so, I mean, I think if we can capture young people much, much earlier and we can attack the problem from two angles or more, then, uh, you know, we're going to have a much brighter, happier future and eliminate some of these social and issues in the future. So what's your top three tips for our listeners to do right now to set up for the future? Okay, I would say, and it's not a diversion of what we're discussing. I know we're discussing financial things, but do not accept the standard national average. It is below average in Australia. So I know Australia, and many people know that Australia is lagging behind most countries in mathematics and English as reading comprehension and also problem solving according to the PISA results and the NAPLAN results. So the NAPLAN results can be misleading because many parents, when they see that their child's performance, when they get that chart, and the child performance is about the, or just above the national average, they think, oh, okay, that's, that's fine, because everyone else, that's the meaning of average, right? Um, so everyone else is at is that point or most people are at that point so it's okay for my child to be there. Will I say no because the standard national average is very low in Australia. So I really need parents to, to be aware of that and these results are going down every year. So what we do in Australia, we adjust the national average. So instead of bringing things up, we lower the average. All that is in my book. And I would say act now. Do not leave it to high school. As I said at the beginning, the earlier the better. It saves your child from suffering from being behind in primary. It boosts their self-confidence. It's really important to, as the soon and it's cheaper. So work on it in cheaper in year, let's say year three. You, you realize that your child has problem in math and English in year three. If you work on it in year three, four, you don't need to work on it in high school. If you leave it to high school, you need to work on it until the HSC. So it's going to cost you more, right? And I will say, if you are able to teach them one thing, teach them problem-solving skills. Great advice. I think that we can all benefit from problem-solving skills and really thinking 
you know, that's just the ability to think through problems and, and make some decisions, isn't it? You know, it doesn't have to be difficult. So where can we find you online? And, you know, you've offered up some free resources. So thank you very much. I'd suggest people go to globaleducationacademy.com.au to download your free copy of your book. And we look forward to the next book. But where else can we find you? The book is also on Amazon, also on our uh, website and my Private website um, is drmajidaawaldi.com. There are also many classes that are recorded as video classes to help parents while they were homeschooling, but they can use it anytime to explain some fundamental concepts in mathematics, especially for primary school students. So these are really good ones to watch or if you want to explain to your child, maybe just watch the video before that or you can watch it together. There is the, the scorecard where it's a quiz of 10 questions where parents can take the quiz. And this quiz will tell them how close they are to unlock their child for potential. So all these are, are on uh, globaleducationacademy.com.au and the book is also on Amazon. Terrific. So lastly, is there anything else that uh, we should know before we sign off today? Yeah, I, we just launched because we had to go online. So now we decided for term three, the term coming, is to stay online for some classes like year four, year five, and year six. Also for year three advanced, we have classes for mathematics and English. We call them the booster courses. So they boost their mathematics or English. There is also the OC placement test preparation program and selective school preparation program. So all these are online, but there is also the face-to-face -face happening as usual. It's been lovely speaking to you today. I suggest that all of our listeners, if they've got kids or grandkids, jump online to globaleducationacanopy.com.au and check out all the resources there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Janine. Thanks for the opportunity. Hope you enjoyed the show today and have some action steps you can take right now to get control of your money. Join me, Janine Wilson, next time for Finesse Your Money. Meantime, head to my website, www.finesseadvisors.com or email me at admin at finesseadvisors.com to claim a gift voucher for a discovery session with me valued at $150. Make sure you put gift voucher in the headline.